Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lines and lineups, week 17. Hello, Roto Grinders and Vegas Insiders. Holden Kushner here alongside Dan Bach from Roto Grinders and Sharpside, the Sharpside app, and Monkey Knife Fight and everything else. And then K Raj, of course, with VegasInsider.com. We got five games today. We're going to shake it up a little bit. We got three NFL games Falcons, Bucks, Eagles, Giants, Steelers, Ravens. Then we're going to get to the college semifinals. So that should be fun with Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma, and LSU. K-Rodge, how you been, buddy? Uh, Monica, to you. And Merry Christmas to you, Dan Bach, and everybody else. Just whatever you do. Festivus, have a good time with that. But uh, So week 16 in the books. How'd you do, K-Rodge? How did I do? Uh, I did well at the Jets on Sunday. I, I thought that would be a good spot for them against the Steelers with their Grinch coach, Adam Gase. But, uh, you know, Pittsburgh, I mean, they're on the verge of, you know, maybe being in the playoffs with, with no quarterback, which is amazing. And uh, I took a shot with the Chargers. I thought they'd win that finale at home against the Raiders, and I was way off on that one. I did like Arizona, and I did like Philadelphia. I know we're kind of going 2020 hindsight on it, but I thought the Eagles were a good spot against the Cowboys, and uh, Arizona had been a good road dog this year. I didn't think they'd do what they did to Seattle, but uh, besides that, I mean, just coming down the stretch, I mean, I know we'll talk about Week 17. It's just so difficult with some of these matchups here with a lot of these guys uh, potentially not playing. Hey, Dan, I think a lot of people are happy that the Vikings game was not on the main slate because they would have played Mike Boone and completely struggled. But uh, week 17 coming up, I just wonder, you've got your bankroll for the first 16 weeks. This is it for the regular season. Of course, there's a lot to play in the postseason. That's some of my favorite uh, DFS football. But how do you manage your bankroll here in week 17? Yeah, I don't think I stray too much from what you've been doing up to this point. I mean, the GPPs are, are still pretty much in line with what we've seen. And it's, it's again, more uh, – more about information, more about motivation. You're going to be seeing narratives this week about, you know, certain statistical thresholds that some players might need to hit. Um, I don't put a lot of stock in that, but, you know, if it's like you know, half a million bucks, if somebody gets, you know, five receptions or something to hit a threshold, then, then maybe you, you pay attention to it. But um, we, you know, news reporting is be- as good as it's ever been. So we should have a pretty good idea. And I think it's important to, to certainly look at the lines going into the game, because that's going to tell us a story about who is interested in playing and who's not, you know, right off the bat, I'm looking and seeing, you know, Houston three point underdogs to Tennessee at <laughs> home. Uh, obviously Pittsburgh favored against Baltimore. Uh, you've got uh, Buffalo only 
you know, a point and a half favorite against the Jets. So, you know, there's clearly a couple of spots there that, that you can see that there's going to be teams that are probably going to be not playing their starters the entire game. And, you know, that's obviously something you can take advantage of if you are looking for lower price guys. And we'll talk about one of those games today. Yep, no doubt about it. Hey, K-Rides, let's get into the betting side here. Falcons at the Bucks. It's a 1 o'clock game on Sunday. All the games are on Sunday. We just had the one-night game uh, with the Seahawks and the Niners. But this is a pick with the Falcons at the Bucks. 49, 49 and a half is the total. It's the highest total of the week. We'll get to the total after we talk to Dan again about DFS side. But Falcons, Bucks, pick em. This is an interesting one here because Godwin's basically done – we know who the weapons are for the Bucks offensively. Defensively, they can stop the run with the Falcons. Freeman's coming off a big week. And on the other side, I mean, this could be a, a nice high-scoring game. It, it, maybe you just look at the total for the Falcons because they could put up some big points this week. Well, last time holding these teams played back at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in late November, the Buccaneers won that game 35-22, and that was after the Falcons had won a pair of games on the road at New Orleans and at Carolina, which kind of spurred their turnaround, and obviously they're not going to make the playoffs, but I guess the playing for the coach, you know, people were talking about Dan Quinn could have gotten fired uh, by the bye week, and let's see how it goes, and this team that's won five of seven down the stretch, and one of those losses came to the Saints at home. So Atlanta obviously has saved their best football for last, which doesn't really mean much, but at least they're, they're playing with some momentum and trying to avoid a 10-loss season. And I'm sure the Falcons would like to avoid the season sweep against Tampa Bay after losing that game to the Buccaneers at home last month. And when you look at the Bucks, they have that four-game winning streak uh, halted before they lost to Houston this past Saturday a game that they dug themselves a big hole. Jameis threw a couple picks, and then the Buccaneers rallied back to tie it, and then the Buccaneers could do nothing in the second half, and Houston ended up winning and then clinching the AFC South title. But I think it's going to be a tough spot for Tampa Bay just because they haven't been good at home. Their two home wins are by three to the Colts and by three to the Cardinals. So we know Tampa Bay, when we talk about the Chargers with no home field advantage, the Bucs, it feels like they have no home field advantage. They haven't been good at home in a while. So Atlanta here, they're playing a little bit better football. I know that Tampa Bay, they played a bit better defensively the last few weeks after they've had that huge overrun and they barely stayed under last week against Houston after the high-scoring first half. But I think Atlanta could be worth a look here as a short dog or even a pick em. I, it is, I It's interesting that it's a pick em, that they're on the road too. I mean, what does that say about the Bucs or maybe does it say more about the Falcons? Well, the Falcons are playing better, and I know the Bucks were playing better, but the Bucs just at, at home, they, there's nothing – There's you're not afraid of them. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it comes down to. And when, you know, this Atlanta team, you look back at them, I mean, sure, they, they could have lost that San Francisco game at the end. They had the Matt Ryan to Julio Jones touchdown and the crazy touchdown on the, the fumble return on the kickoff. But at the same time, this is an Atlanta team that's been better defensively after they were horrible – the first half of the year, and they've won three straight on the road. If you look back at it, beating the 49ers, they, they handled Carolina, they handled the Saints. So I'm sure Atlanta here, again, losing to Tampa Bay the first time, they just saw them. I'm sure they don't want to lose to them twice. And 7-9, and nine, yes, looks better than 6-10. and 10, But for Atlanta, 7-9, and nine, it's almost a miracle if they finish at that considering their start was so horrible. All right, Dan, DFS perspective, since the total is the highest on the slate, this will be pretty popular, maybe the most popular game 
There's a lot of different ways to go. I want to start with the Falcons, though. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. Ridley went down the last couple of games. Jones has went off. He has had success against the Bucks in the past. Didn't really blow up uh, earlier this this game in, in their first meeting. But on the Falcons' side, looks like that passing game is very juicy this week. Yeah, this is easily the most stackable game um, on the slate here because – you know, you, you talk about that Ridley injury. Since that's happened, Julio Jones has had 35 targets the last two weeks. Just insanity in terms of the volume. So I don't think that's changing here against a team that, you know, kind of funnels to the past because they're so good defensively versus the run the Bucks are. And I totally think uh, that, you know, Atlanta is playing for Dan Quinn here. They've made it very clear They've got great motivation there. I don't think they want to see him fired at the end of the season. So, uh, yeah, I think these are two very live teams here. You know, Matt Ryan, I kind of hoped he was going to do a little bit more. I mean, the yardage was there at 384 against uh, against Jacksonville, but only one touchdown. Uh, So variance didn't quite swing his way so much. But really the only other guy I think to talk about here is Austin Hooper. Uh, Last week he was inexplicably priced down on DraftKings. Now – He's up to 5,800. I think he's like the fourth or fifth fifth highest priced tight end. But when you take Ridley out of the equation, there's a lot more targets to go his way. I'm not buying the Devontae Freeman, you know, back-to-back big games. I mean, he crushed versus uh, just a great spot there against Jacksonville. So for me, it's back to Julio, back to Matt Ryan, and uh, and back to Austin Hooper on the Atlanta side. Yeah, so the, the third option really isn't there with Gage or Blake. Nobody stepped up to this point. The Bucks, Perriman's just stepped in, and he's been kind of a Mike Evans-Chris Godwin hybrid. It's like instead of choosing one of those guys a week, you got it in Perriman. Watson, I was expecting a little bit more out of him. Justin Watson, Ronald Jones did step up. Arian said they were going to throw to the backs a little bit more. They'd throw to the tight ends, too. That didn't hammer out. A lot of different ways to go with the Bucks. So why don't you break that down – First of all, let's get this out of the way. Any interest in Ronald Jones? Any? Maybe a little bit in a game stack. I mean, he's pretty cheap at 4900 I don't know that we need to on this slate because there's so many games for us. I mean, you've got every game but one on here. Do we really want to have Ronald Jones be the guy? Do we see him getting 25 fantasy points? Probably not. But I, if I'm multi-entering, I'd have him in my player pool. Uh hmm. Uh, but, you know, Jameis Winston, he's just so steady when it comes to a couple of things, yardage and interceptions. And touchdowns have been pretty good this year, too. But, uh, I mean, 28 INTs, we got to get to the 30-30 INTs this season. So, you know, the, the beautiful thing is uh, there's really not a game flow that doesn't suit him well. Because if they get up, they're still going to throw it. If they're down, obviously he's going to throw it. And for me, the guy I like, I think Watson, if I'm looking at a $4,900 guy, it's Watson. Uh, if you watch that game last week, he should have had a better statistical day yeah. than he had. Uh, he ran a couple questionable routes, had some some bad throws by Jameis. But ultimately, this guy could have had a couple more, t- a couple of touchdowns in this game. So at 4,900, I'd much prefer him than going to Perryman all the way up to 67. And I'm not writing off uh, an OJ Howard either at 4,300. I mean, he had a great first half. He had seven targets, just, you know, only completed three of those for 46 yards. So if, you know, you get three more receptions on that for another 46 yards at 4,300, you're at 
almost 15 fantasy points. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, and that's pretty good point per dollar for you there. Yeah, and you could always go with the Falcons' uh, defense, even if you're playing Jameis Winston, because you you're going to get some points there. You know, four interceptions, even if you give up 35 points, four interceptions, you get another few sacks, maybe a touchdown. Yep. All of a sudden, things are going well for you. All right, K-Raj, total here, 49, 49 and a half. Tway Lena. I actually like the under here just because really? of what the yeah, because what All the right. Falcons have done defensively on the road of late, nine against the Saints, three against Carolina, even twenty-two against San Francisco. And again, I'm kind of going a little vice versa after the first game sailed way over the total, that 35-22 win by Tampa Bay over 51 and a half. And this one has dipped down uh, a little bit. And I know these teams have had high scoring affairs over the years, but also, you know. Again, you have to make sure when you're playing an under with Tampa Bay that you don't have that dreadful six or a pick six by Jameis Winston. That as long as you don't have that in the equation, then I think you got a shot. And that's the problem is you can't have Jameis be setting up touchdowns for the opposing team. And I just think that uh, even though Tampa Bay has had this huge overrun, it ended against Houston last week that uh, we can see an under here. Not saying overwhelming under, but that it stays under the total. All right, guys, let's move on. 425. Eagles laying four and a half on the road at the Giants. The total is 45 and a half. K-Rodge, big deal. The Eagles beat the Cowboys at home. Ugly. How, even though it's the Giants, it's the Eagles on the road giving four and a half. Oh, man. I, I have a hard time. Side with the Eagles here. Come on, change my mind. Are you going to? Well, a couple things on this. Number one, which I don't know if it makes that big of a difference or not. Think about this. The two biggest games that Daniel Jones played this year both came against the Redskins. I mean, fair to say, and, and I guess Tampa Bay, that comeback, but he was great against Washington twice, and he's not playing Washington coming up this week. And, yes, it is scary after the Eagles just beat the Cowboys as a short home underdog, and now they're going on the road to try to wrap up the division title. And again, who was the guy that torched the, uh, that, that torched the Eagles two weeks ago? It was Eli Manning, and he's not in there now. And now we'll see what Daniel Jones does against this uh, Eagles defense. And I understand the Eagles have found a way to win the last few weeks, but hey, they put themselves in a position to win the division. And this is a Giants team that, yeah, they're off back-to-back wins. They've scored 77 points against the Dolphins and the Redskins. And Philadelphia is obviously a step up. And look at the second half of that Eagles-Giants game. The Giants did nothing offensively. And the Eagles were able to come back in spite of still not playing well in the first half and save their season or still at least had a pulse by winning that game in overtime. So the Eagles, with some momentum, I get that the Giants are playing better of late. But also, when you look back at it, though, guys, the Giants as a home underdog, just not good. As simple as that this year. Lost by 18 to the Packers. Lost by 19 to the Cowboys. Lost by 18 to the Vikings. Lost by 14 to the Bills. So they got blown out in all these games when they're getting points. And who are the home wins against? The Dolphins. The Redskins. Teams that they should beat. So I'm not going to overthink this. I'd look at the Eagles. So this will be interesting, Dan, because in all likelihood, Ertz is not going to play. And if he does, he's got a broken rib. Like, how yeah. effective is he going to be? So we got some values here on the Philadelphia side. Goddard is going to be very popular in all likelihood. And then here's the big question. 
Howard might be back this week. Sanders has been going off. Yeah. What do you do with this? I mean, the Eagles have no receiving options. Greg Ward and Goddard. So you would think they're going to run the ball a whole bunch. What does this do to Sanders if Howard's back? That's a great question. I mean, Sanders has been so good. I mean, you're looking, especially from a fantasy perspective, but even like a real-life perspective, I've liked what I've seen from him. Uh, Over 20 fantasy points in three of the last four games. I don't know that his role is going to change a ton here with Jordan Howard coming back because I feel like you know they've kind of found a recipe that that works with Miles Sanders and if anything I think Howard maybe goes into that Boston Scott role and Sanders kind of remains the the go-to guy here so I think um, I'm willing to give him a look especially on DraftKings he's under 7k Uh, the targets continue to be consistent even when Howard was in there so uh, I like what I've seen from him he's absolutely somebody that uh, I think I'd be willing to play here uh, and, and you talked about the guy who's probably going to be mega chalk, and that's Goddard. Uh, I mean, if Ertz decides not to play here, we saw him get 12 targets last game, 91 yards and a touchdown. He's under 5K, and they don't have anybody else to catch the ball here. Like, maybe there's a chance Aguilar is, you know, uh, ends up playing this week. Um, but Greg Ward, that's like all they have. They're really banged up. I actually think the Giants are an interesting team here on the betting angle here because Billy is really – really beat up and the thing about the Giants is they found some identity here the last couple weeks Saquon Barkley has looked like a different running back admittedly the competition Washington Miami uh, two of the worst defenses you can find in the league but uh, just from watching the game film out there he looks more dynamic playing with a lot of confidence Uh, I don't know if I'd roll him at 8700 versus this rush D but uh, each of the last two weeks, they're checking down to him for four receptions. Uh, he's certainly not out of play in a game that could yield a decent number of points. Uh, and then the only other name that I'm really looking at maybe on the uh, giant side is Golden Tate. Last Ooh. week, he had 11 targets in that game, 96 yards, and he's only 5,100. So I like the price on him um, as, uh, as a guy that I think we can consider. But, um, but yeah, Sanders is really interesting interesting name for us this week because he's been outstanding i think howard's interesting at 5k there maybe more of a no FanDuel no, no maybe on the FanDuel side he might be more no. inter- if he falls in the end zone two times he's paying off i don't what are, he's he got the goal line carries before yeah but they that was when they weren't even good i mean They're i don't still know not good <laughs> but they've at least so one at least they've won games though <laughs> All right. so that's the thing like i i just would be shocked to see them Give Jordan Howard the 19, 23 carries no. he got in week eight and week nine. Yes. And you, I mean, at that price point, you can't play him at 5K. I think that is a, you, you can't do it on DraftKings. But, you know, you look at how far down Miles Sanders is. I mean, geez, he's like, there's like 10 running backs in, in front of him price wise. And he's been one of the best running backs the last two weeks. So I don't think that's right. K Rod, 45 and a half. You know, this is, again, the Eagles offense completely depleted. The uh, Giants offense, Saquon, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard at this point, maybe a deep ball to, to Slayton. But are you going under on the 45 and a half? Seems like a lot for two teams that are not good offensively. It does. And also, you know, you would say, would you go the opposite way after what we just saw? These teams played earlier this month, but the total hasn't moved. It was 45 and a half the first time around that Monday night game. 
in Philadelphia. And I know that the Giants have gone over the total in their last few home games, now 3-0 and to the over the last three. But, you know, like I mentioned before, that home dog stat, I mean, and these are this is all Daniel Jones, too, throwing out the Dolphin game against the Packers, against the Cowboys, against the Vikings. They didn't score more than 18 points in any of those games with Daniel Jones, their quarterback, against substantial competition. And that's what the Eagles, at least we can call them that in a sense. I mean, they're going to host a playoff game, so they're somewhat substantial. But the uh, Giants, though, I don't know if they can get their offense going in this game, especially after what Daniel Jones did last week against the Redskins and for Philadelphia. If they could find a way to win this game, 17 to 10, 20 to 13, something like that, they'll escape and get out of it because this is an Eagles team that, I mean, you look back at it, they scored that late touchdown against Washington, the fumble return, which we know was uh, one that you didn't expect. And also the Eagles needed a touchdown in the final minute to at least take the lead against Washington. So they scored two touchdowns there. They're down 27-23. So this is an offense that really hasn't been great at all. But uh, I think defensively, I think they're going to find a way to slow down the Giants and uh, escape with a win and win the division. All right, guys, 425, Steelers at the Ravens. This open with the Ravens, uh, what was it, uh, two-point favorites? And then we learned that Lamar Jackson's not playing. Mark Ingram is going to get a three-week rest because he's got a calf. Yonda's not going to play. Earl Thomas on the other side is not going to play. So uh, it was Steelers plus three-and-a-half. Now they're two-point favorites on the road. They've got Duck Hodges because Mason Rudolph is done. Uh, the Ravens are sitting everybody. So Steelers minus two, over under 38. Let's start with the Steelers being favorites on the road. They got a win to get into the playoffs. And all the weapons there seems like they're sitting for Baltimore. But you got why do you got a bitter beer face? What's going on with this, K-Raj? Man, the Steelers are on the verge of the playoffs with Devlin freaking Hodges to save their season. I mean, Good job, Tomlin. Good job. Yeah, look, hey, I give Mike Tomlin a lot of credit. You're even in this position to be in the playoffs. Winning you're in is unbelievable, considering you lost Big Ben week two. Antonio Brown wasn't there this year. They went, you know, obviously Le'Veon Bell was gone. So there weren't a lot of weapons. And then you went to Mason Rudolph, who wasn't great. And then Devlin Hodges, who wasn't great. And still you made it to this point, which is amazing, even if they don't make the playoffs. But – Pittsburgh, should they be favored? Yeah, because Baltimore is sitting all these guys. The MVP, Lamar Jackson, sitting out. The Ravens have nothing to play for. They have nothing to risk in this game, locking up uh, the number one seed in the AFC playoffs. So really just get through this game, move on. And I think for Pittsburgh, you know, even though they are a team that just lost to the Jets last week and didn't play well, at least now you don't have to worry about who's your quarterback because Mason Rudolph is out now. But Man, I mean, this is just such a tough one because you're asking to trust Devlin Hodges to get you into the playoffs, even if you're facing RG3. That Baltimore's defense is still excellent. Pittsburgh's defense has been great. When you look at it, they've hit the under in nine of the last 10 games. They haven't given up 17 or more in five straight. So that would almost be a side of note, Holden, you're going to ask about the total, but the under, you can't dispute. I'd almost just look at that more than the side because I don't really want to trust Pittsburgh in the road favorite role, but I also don't want to bank on Baltimore when this is kind of like a preseason game for them. All right, after we get to Dan, maybe we could talk about that total just a little bit more. But Steelers-Ravens, man. Dan, 
RG3, any interest? Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, any interest? Any receivers going on the other side? The Steelers, they don't have a running game. Doc Hodges is there. But there's got to be one player that I could dig up here playing a GPP and try and win it that way. Uh, team defense. There you go. Um, that's, that's where you want to go here. I mean, it's going to be quick for me. Uh, Baltimore. Yes. They've got some cheap pieces to them who are, who are going to get more run today. And and we can usually take advantage of that in DFS, but they still only have an 18 team total. That's one of the lowest, I think second lowest on the slate here. And, uh, it's not like they're not playing a team that has their own motivation and a team that's the one thing they do well is is play defense. So I think we're getting cute if we roll Baltimore guys out here. So uh, I think that's going to be pretty much a pass for me. Maybe you can take a shot on the wide receivers because they're under 4K, especially if, uh, you know, Brown is ruled out and I expect him to, you know, Sneed, Boykin, those guys are, are really, really cheap if you want to go total stars and scrubs. And, and same from the Pittsburgh side. I just – I can't press anybody on this team – uh, Baltimore's defense might be a little bit shorthanded, but it doesn't matter when you got such a garbage quarterback situation like like Pittsburgh does. So uh, again, team defenses, both of them in play, and they're both fairly priced on DraftKings, uh, right around that uh, that three K number, thirty one hundred for the Ravens, three thousand for the Steelers. That's all I'm looking at in this game. So the total, Kevin, I, I see which way you're leaning toward the under at thirty eight, right? Yeah, I mean, you can't make an argument for the over uh, just because of the quarterbacks in this game. The Ravens will probably try to get through this without any major injuries. And even, you know, on the road, when you look at Pittsburgh, they played the Jets. They played Arizona. They played Cincinnati, Cleveland, the Chargers, the best team. And they played San Francisco and New England uh, way back earlier in the season. They played a bunch of nobodies on the road the last few months. And now... I, again, would it surprise me if they beat Baltimore? Absolutely not. It wouldn't surprise me just because of what the Ravens are rolling out and the Steelers are good enough defensively to hang in the game. Just don't have Devlin Hodges throw four picks. If you have that, then Pittsburgh's got a good shot of winning this game. 17-10, 17-13. Baltimore moves on. They have a few weeks. They'll get set for the playoffs. And Pittsburgh, we'll see if they play next week or if their season's done. Let's move on to college football for the first time on lines and lineups. Uh, looking forward to this. So we got – Number three, Clemson, taking on number two, Ohio State. This is the 8 o'clock game, the later game on Saturday. Uh, first time the Buckeyes are a dog this year. I think, you you know, these are the best teams. Why are they going to be dogs? So Clemson, two-point favorites, 63.5 is the game total here. You know, this is Clemson's first spread under 16, too. They've been at least 16-point favorites, I think, in every single game, right? They've just gone out there and rolled to this point. So let's start. Uh, with a red-hot Clemson team, K-Rods, because nobody wants to play Clemson. Nobody wants to play any of these teams. You know, that's, these are the four best teams out there, but Clemson, two-point favorites against Ohio State. Give me the rundown. Amazingly, this is the third time they've played in a bowl game since the 2013 season, Holden, and Clemson has won both of those games. They won 40-35 back in January of 14, and then the Fiesta Bowl back in 2016. Clemson wiped out Ohio State 31-0. So obviously, and I get there's different players, but Clemson's obviously not afraid of uh, taking on Ohio State in a semifinal game. And this is a Clemson team, I think that just gets a raw deal because the ACC isn't good. 
And it's not their fault that Miami's down and Florida State's down and Georgia Tech is down. You have all these teams that just aren't really that good and Virginia's your second-best team. Virginia was good this year, but we know that they're not obviously an elite team in college football, but Clemson just steamrolled everyone. I know they had the tough game against North Carolina. They almost lost at the end of the two-point conversion, but so be it. That happens, and luckily they escaped, so their season is still alive, and we know what Clemson can do in the postseason. We see how they've beaten Alabama the last few years in the college football playoff, and you know this is a Clemson team that is not afraid of the moment. Dabo Swinney's been there for Ohio State. They weren't great against Wisconsin early. They turned it on late to win the Big Ten title. And they have a good young coach in Ryan Day. Look, I know the Big Ten is uh, better than the ACC. I'm not breaking news here uh, on that one. But when Clemson opens up as the favorite in this game at a neutral site, I got to side with the Tigers here. I, I really do that. This is a Clemson team that just no one wants to give respect to at all just because of the conference they play in. And really, it's unfair because Clemson is still an excellent team. Ohio State's excellent, too. We're not taking away from them. But in this game, you got to pick a winner. And Ohio State did still beat a lot of the Rutgers and Maryland's and Northwestern's. And the Big Ten is better than the ACC, but the Big Ten's still a lot of garbage they threw out this year. So I'm going to go with Clemson in this one. Dan, what's your take here? Is Ohio State's getting two points against the Red Hot Clemson team? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm so excited for these games. I mean, especially this one. I mean, this could easily be a championship game in its out in, in its own right. And you know, somebody's got to win this one to get to the championship. And uh, I mean, Justin Fields this year, 40 touchdowns, only one interception. I think people are sleeping a little bit on him, but I am a little bit nervous about uh, how he's going to do against this kind of caliber of defense. Because if I, if I'm Clemson here. I mean, I want to sell out against Dobbins. Now, you want to think maybe other teams have tried that and it hasn't worked because this guy has been incredible. 172 against Wisconsin, 163 against Wisconsin, 211 versus Michigan, 157 versus Penn State. So, uh, you know, this is just uh, – I mean, I look at the playmakers and – I just don't know if Ohio State has enough on the outside because if I'm Clemson, I'm loading up the box and I'm saying, okay, it's going to be have to be Olave and, and KJ Hill and the biggest stage ever for Justin Fields to beat me. And I don't know that he can quite do that. Where we've seen Trevor Lawrence uh, last season win the national championship, he's got incredible weapons on the outside there in Ross and Higgins, one of the best running backs. I just feel they're a little bit more complete of a team. Dabo Sweeney's been in this moment before. First time for Ryan Day. I, I like the Clemson side on this one. Um, but, man, it should be an awesome game to watch. Yeah, money's coming in on uh, Clemson here. Dan, and 63 and a half. This, this is the fun thing about college. 63 and a half, 76, all these totals, just massive yeah. points. But do we get that in this game? I, if I'm leaning an under in, on these two, it's definitely this one here um, as opposed to the LSU game. I just think that both these teams are really good defensively and they should be able to slow down each other more so than we've seen a lot of these other games uh, so far this season that they've been involved in. So uh, I'll take the under, but I don't think there's a ton of value in that because you know, clearly this could kind of turn into a shootout. Both these offenses have the ability to do that. But uh, I am definitely would roll under if I'm looking at a total here. 
Hey, K-Raj, I want to get into a couple things here. The total, would you see teasing any of these numbers? And is there a money line play here? I mean, I, I don't really think you'd have to go money line with Clemson necessarily. I, I think that if they win this game, I mean, laying two, I know it's easy to say, well, just try to get them to win by one. But uh, I, mean, I don't really believe in that. I think that Clemson can win this game by uh, three or more. I don't think Clemson wins this game by one point. I just don't. I just don't see that. But as far as the total goes, you know, you say a shootout perhaps. And it's so hard because when yeah. you see these numbers that they put up offensively, both these teams, that they're scoring in the 50s in some of these games, that the more important number to me, I think, is the defensive numbers because you're giving up 17 or less in all these games. And, and just defensively, how good they've been and even going back towards earlier in the season – when they play Texas A&M, they allowed 10, and I think they gave up a late touchdown even in that game. And I get that Clemson, again, looking at the teams they played, there weren't a lot of strong teams. I understand that. But also they played two SEC teams, South Carolina and Texas A&M, allowed 13 total points, and South Carolina beat Georgia. So for whatever that's worth, that they held South Carolina three points in that rivalry game. And as far as Ohio State goes, they lit up a lot of these teams too, but – you know, they scored 34 in Wisconsin. They scored 34 in Michigan State, who's very good defensively, not good offensively. And the, the one they really busted out was Michigan, where they scored the 56 points. But even against Penn State, they scored 28. So we see that they can be not shut down, but controlled to a certain extent. And considering Clemson's one of the top defenses in the country, I probably lean the under and uh, feel comfortable with it. All right, that's the night game. Here's the day game, 4 o'clock Eastern time. Number one, LSU. Number four, Oklahoma. By the way, the number one seed still has not won uh, the national championship here. LSU, 13.5-point favorites in this just remarkable total of 76. Love it. Let's let's see this number at least get pushed a little bit. Um, so LSU, Oklahoma, K-Rod first, 13.5. You got Burrow, you got Hurts, you got five, great quarterback matchup here. Oh, absolutely. And uh, we know that the Heisman Trophy winners, at times, they've struggled in their bowl games. So you wonder if that's going to happen. You know, Burroughs had so much acclaim and, and all of this with the Heisman that now they're facing Oklahoma, who, yeah, they should be in the Final Four because you have the top three in the country by far. You need a fourth team. I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma was the fourth team. And the Sooners are a little better defensively than they were last year, and we saw them get lit up by Alabama in the uh, first playoff game. Actually, it was the second playoff game after Clemson-Notre Dame. But as far as LSU goes, defensively, they've had a couple question marks in games played uh, away from Baton Rouge, but they allowed Georgia to just 10 points in the SEC title game, so that's a positive for them. And we know Burrow can light up anybody, and Oklahoma is not as good as some of the defenses that Joe Burrow faced this year in the SEC. So that's one. And you look at Oklahoma, who is not normally in an underdog spot, and now they are a heavy underdog, which they should be. But uh, when you look at a guy like Jalen Hurts, who put up good numbers this year after he left Alabama to go to OU, and we know what Lincoln Riley does with quarterbacks, that all these guys put up great numbers like Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. You know what? I, I'd lean LSU here. I don't love it, but uh, you know, with Oklahoma, people want to take the points. You're going to have a shootout, but LSU is just so automatic, and, and that's what it is. And this Baylor team, 
when you look towards uh, or you look down the stretch with them, should have lost to Baylor in Waco down 28-3. They came back and won that one. The Baylor game and the Big 12 championship went to overtime. K-State, they let K-State score 30-something in a row against them after leading that game. I just feel like Oklahoma's not that sharp down the stretch, that, that they're not playing their best football. And even though they're, you're getting a lot of points with them, I sometimes say there's a reason why. And I'd side with LSU here. You have two talented quarterbacks, but uh, LSU a little bit better defensively. And for Oklahoma, just not playing so great down the stretch uh, kind of worries me. You know, just as a fan, I want to see Burrow and, uh, and Lawrence go head-to-head. You know, that would be a fun championship game. That being said, they play this for a reason. 13 and a half LSU. Uh, the Sharps came in, pushed this from 11 to 13 and a half. Dan, give me a broad view of this. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious to see if this gets to 14 or not. You know, that's a very significant number here. And the fact that it's sitting at that 13 and a half number, I, I think that the books are, are willing to, uh, you know, willing to ride some Oklahoma here because I'm, I'm guaranteeing that there's got to be heavy action here on, on LSU and they have not tipped over that significant number. And, and it actually gives me a little bit interest here in Oklahoma for a couple of reasons. First off, they're one of the few schools out there, one of the few offenses out there that I think can actually match what LSU brings to the table. Because here's the deal. You can't slow this offense down. They're too prolific. And, you know, if, if you think you can beat them by being physical with them, it, it doesn't work. Like, you have to outscore this team. And I don't know if there's a lot of teams out there who can do that. Oklahoma is one that has a dynamic offensive player there. And, and Jalen Hurts, a great play caller in Lincoln Riley, you know, experience. I mean, they've got Jalen Hurts has way more experience in this situation than Joe Burrow does. So I think Oklahoma is super interesting in this spot. I don't, you know, if I was, uh, if I was a, you know, if I wanted to get really, really excited about this, you'd even, I don't even think Oklahoma money line is out of the question here because everybody <laughs> is riding LSU in this one. And it, not enough people are talking about this Edward Hilaire uh, injury. I mean, this guy was on crutches just last week, and now they expect him to be fully healthy, ready to play. And he's been, you know, a, a main offensive cog for them. So you take him out of the equation, I think that only helps uh, Oklahoma's side. Now, admittedly, the the big loss for them is on that defensive line with uh, uh, their, their top um, – person getting sacks uh, suspended for this game so that's not ideal but again I don't view this as a as a game where you're slowing down Joe Burrow it's you're keeping up with Joe Burrow and you hope you make a play late that can edge out a win here I don't think it's an impossibility not sure if I got the stones to go on the you know go out and say that I'm taking Oklahoma here as you know almost a two touchdown dog but I think they're a live dog in this one way more live than people are giving them uh, credit for like K-Rodg, not giving him credit. Is that what it is, K-Rodg? You're just, uh, just completely different ends of the spectrum on this one, but Dan. I mean, look, I don't have a problem with throwing, you know, a little bit on the money line for Oklahoma. Like, I don't think it's crazy. Is LSU head and shoulders better than Oklahoma? No, I don't think they're head and shoulders better than them. I, I think they're significantly better. But Oklahoma, like you said, Dan, they have a guy that's been there before, Jalen Hurts, and that's more than you can say for Justin Fields at Ohio State. You know, when you look at that matchup compared to Trevor Lawrence, that Jalen Hurts has played at Alabama and he's played in big games before, so he's not afraid of that. And for Burrow, this is a huge game for him. But also, you know, I don't 
want to take away from Burrow at all, uh, not being on that big stage as of yet. But I, I just think that this is an LSU team that I don't know if Oklahoma can slow them down. I think that that's the big concern. Oklahoma yeah. can, can score, but I don't know if they can slow them down. And that's the thing, though. I think it's just going to boil, boil down to can they score enough? You know, because you're right. I don't think anybody can slow LSU down. But I do think that Oklahoma's offense is good enough to keep up, where I think a lot of other teams that LSU played this year just never really had a chance of doing that. And I think Oklahoma might have a shot. Because this isn't – you're right about, you know, those Baylor games. But Baylor is just a defensive first type team. That's not what LSU is here. So I I think, you know, that matchup doesn't scare me so much as we get into this one. So you think that Oklahoma could put up some points, Dan. What about 76 with the total? I love the over here. I mean, I think <laughs> it, is a, it is a complete and utter shootout. If you're playing DFS, get as many of players from this game as you can. I mean, Kennedy Brooks is, is going to see a ton of carries here uh, with, uh, you know, Stevenson getting suspended, Sermon out. It's, you know, he's, he's the guy that you need to be playing in, in DFS this week. But uh, I, I think it's, this game goes over 80. I think it's shootout. Um, again, that's the only way Oklahoma – can win this game, and I just don't know if LSU's defense is going to slow them down enough to keep it in under. So uh, I think pedal to the metal on both sides should be an incredible game to watch on Saturday. Kevin, did the total of 76 just settle in at 76? Do you think we see any movement there? And do you think Oklahoma has enough to keep up with LSU to push this thing close to 80 because it's at 76? I think we'll see uh, money on the over just because people want to see points. And I, and for me, I want the same thing too. You know, it wouldn't shock me if this was a game that got to 45, 40. Well, actually, even though I I said, I like uh, LSU, but if it got somewhere in the forties that it wouldn't be crazy. I mean, if LSU won this game 52 to 38, would that surprise anybody? You know, I just don't think that that's the case. And look, Dan's right about this, that, some of the teams that LSU lit up this year, you know, we dogged the other conferences, but Arkansas is terrible. Ole Miss is not good. Mississippi State's not good. Vanderbilt's not good. You know what? LSU played them all. So LSU drew all those teams, and, you know, the one that sticks out is the Alabama victory. They still gave up 41 to Alabama. So with all that being said, that LSU was just outscoring these teams – but also they've given up a ton of points away from Baton Rouge, and the best defensive effort they had was against Georgia in the SEC championship. And that team stinks, and that offense is terrible yeah. in Georgia. Yeah, and, and Fromm couldn't get anything going with Georgia this year. They relied on their defense, and it didn't work out in the SEC championship. So, you know, they've given up a ton of points in these games. So the under, or rather the over, I don't think is crazy because we've seen LSU get exposed in some of these road games. You know, Dan, uh, DF, I can't play DFS college football in Colorado. I've told you the story. I was listening or watching you, and I'm like, oh, man, I got to throw a lineup in here. I love college football. And they said I couldn't do it. It drove me nuts. But I'm interested. So a couple more picks here. You said you need the fantasy greatness from Oklahoma LSU. Throw me a couple of names from Clemson and Ohio State. Okay, Dan froze. That's fine. K-Rod, you just want to throw in a couple of names there from the two sides? Anybody? I mean, Clemson, Ohio State, sexy to you? I mean, it, it passed the quarterbacks. I mean, Nothing. no, I think that we'll just stick with uh, we'll stick with those guys. And, 
be done with it. All right, there's Dan. Dan. Sorry about that. Yeah. Fantasy goodness from Clemson, Ohio State. Yeah, let's go to that game here. Um, Man, this is a tough spot. I think Justin Ross is an interesting guy in DFS because he's a little bit uh, cheaper, especially on FanDuel. Actually, on DraftKings, he's more expensive than Higgins, which is surprising. But both of those guys under uh, 6K. But, um, man, I mean, I think if you want to get interest – I mean, man, I'm going to have so much Oklahoma and LSU – I don't I don't have a lot of guys on Clemson and Ohio State that I feel like we have to play here especially it's a four game slate if you're running the because that'll be the big kind of showdown spot that'll be the the game that um that uh you know the single game that's going to have the the biggest GPPs out there Uh, I'm probably running Trevor Lawrence out there as my captain this is a guy who actually has been running the ball a ton this year compared to what we've seen previously so um yes Fields is the is the big runner. There's no question about that, but his numbers haven't been great since the injury. And Lawrence is not afraid to call his own number at the goal line. So uh, I like him as the captain. If I'm playing that uh, single game over there. All right, guys, that's the five games we're getting to today here on lines and lineups. Uh, K Raj, I know you guys are giving out some NBA picks here, right? For free. Yes, we actually have – well, I mean, we had our podcast that we taped earlier today. We gave out a few of the picks for the Christmas Day games for Wednesday. Good. I like that. Anything else you want to plug on VegasInsider.com? Well, I mean, look, we have a lot of bowl games coming up, and uh, it's going to be very busy over the next uh, week, week and a half or so. And we have, like we talked about, the semifinal games this Saturday and then week 17 of the NFL and then the playoffs – College basketball conference play will finally begin in about a week or so. I forget through this weekend and the calendar flips to January. So looking forward to that. The NBA, obviously, very busy. So it's just a busy time. It really is. Even though football is winding down, we still have a lot going on. And uh, we're very excited about it here at VegasInsider.com. Yeah, the NBA starts for me on Christmas. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm playing, but it's time to start paying attention now. Dan, uh, Roto Grinders, we do have uh, college football information on DFS. We got all the NFL stuff. For those of you guys that are just solely betters, maybe playing a fantasy league or two, if you are interested, DFS goes all the way up, even in the showdown slate through the Super Bowl. So there is a yeah. lot still to be had here on Roto Grinders for DFS there, Dan. Yeah, no doubt. Um, we'll have it all the way through the playoffs, and some of those GPPs are going to be massive, and uh, they're a lot of fun to play, even if it's just a, a couple of games. One thing I do want to give you guys the the early heads up on, sharpside.com. Make sure you download that app for iOS and Android. Starting the first of the year, we've got uh, a new kind of streak contest going, but what we're doing this go-around is uh, the streak bets, the lock bets, you can make them on the app. It's any bet could be a prop, could be a total, could be a line, uh, could be a money line. Anything that's 140 or less, um, you can lock that in. You can do one at a time. And if you build your streak, once you start get, once you get up to six, we're going to give you 10 bucks for every pick up to, I think it's like 10. And then if you're still alive after that, then we go up to 20 bucks and we're going to give you all sorts of FanDuel credit on this all the way up to a couple hundred if um uh or up to 100 if you just rock it all the way up to like 20 which nobody has done on the app to this point but we're building you incentive for putting your best pick in on that app it's a lot of fun download it free to play to sharpside.com is the website and uh, search it for ios and android and that will get started on the first but 
if you've got a streak already, when the first starts up, that's that's at like six, we'll pay you right off the bat. So there's no reason not to get started using those uh, lock bets on the app. All right, guys, if there's any ladies, thank you very much. Uh, K-Rodge at VegasInsider.com. Dan's at Rotogrinders.com. I do work with Rotogrinders.com. Uh, week 17, lines and lineups in the book. Say bye, guys. See you later. Enjoy it, guys. See you. Thanks, guys. Good season. Thank you.